0: This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church. Transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's really good to be with you this morning. It's, uh, it's a blessing that you're here. Thanks for being here. And I'm excited this morning to, to wrap up this four-week uh, message series on worship. And worship is important because we are created to worship. Worship matters. Who we worship, how, and what and so a brief recap of the series would go like this. In week one, uh, Pastor Bob led us in, uh, uh, in the reality, or maybe, or maybe it was Jason, but it was a pastor. Uh, they led us into the reality, it was Jason, into the reality that, uh, that we all worship. But then there's, there's good and, uh, good worship that's in spirit and truth, and then there is worship that is poor and bad and even evil. Worship. And then in week two, it was Pastor Bob who, uh, who taught us, uh, gave us the, the, uh, the reminder that it can be really hard sometimes, really hard to worship sometimes. And when that's the case, it's important to stay at it, to stay worshiping, and to offer to God whatever it is that you're experiencing because God knows us and understands us. Week three, last week, vivid reminder that God is the audience. God is who we worship and you are the worshipers. And people like myself and the band and all—we're we're the cue makers. We lead in worship. And we, last week we worshipped three ways. Three ways. The first one was Tahila worship, and that is an expressive kind of worship, where we clap, like we were clapping, we dance. And I got to tell you, did, did Pastor Bob dance in here last week? And this—did you see that move? Yeah. The, 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 he didn't. He danced at 11, at 11 a.m. Right down here. And I'll tell you what, all I can say is wow. I mean it was I'm not sure what it was, but he was dancing up and up down in here. So I'm gonna talk about the folks at eleven. And uh, so that's Tehillah worship. Barak worship is when we uh, is when we come to God in silence and stillness and offer ourselves to God in, in, in that manner. And it's a good right way to worship. And then also Tota uh, Todah or Tada worship. Tada worship is when we offer God sacrificial praise, where we give brief testimonies. Testimonies of, of how God has worked in our lives. We give thanks for that. And we give thanks to God for the future that we have with God. So people gave brief testimonies. And I think Landon led us uh, last week in our testimonies. And so today is a, a great and beautiful day to worship it's an interesting and special weekend in our culture. First of all, it's a holiday weekend, and so uh, we have an extra day. Those of us that are working, uh, many of us receive an extra day off for rest and relaxation, so uh, we woot for a, for a holiday. And then we, we have Memorial Day. So it's important on Memorial Day to ask ourselves, whose memory will we honor tomorrow? Is it somebody that has sacrificed their life, somebody who has really inspired us? But to use Memorial Day... For the purposes that we were given, and then it's it's the birthday. It's a big birthday today. Big, whose birthday is it? I heard it, church. church. Thank you, Stephanie. Church. It's the church's birthday, so happy birthday, church. That's why we're traditionally it's uh, the church's birthday is is honored in red. It's Pentecost. It's Pentecost, and so we celebrate the birthday of the church. Uh, all of you. And it's good. It's good to celebrate birthdays, but the question that we have to ask ourselves today, in the birthday of the church, is why? Why is the birthday of the church still important? And what does it mean for our lives today? And so we're first going to go back to the uh, to the first church. We're going to go back in scripture. But before we do that, I, I want to set this up. Give you the backstory first. The uh, first church when. Holy Spirit came upon it, Uh, there was Jesus' followers, and they were gathered in Jerusalem as they had been directed, and they were gathered in a room, and as I was reminded by Pastor Jason, as we prayed before worship today, that they were a little bit afraid as they gathered. Now, Jesus had uh, been in ministry uh, for three years, and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, Um, but and he, had, and he had promised the Father would send the Spirit to them, and they knew that Jesus had died and that he had been resurrected, and Jesus had been with them a number of times, but they still weren't quite sure. And so they were they were gathered, and they were praying expectantly. And here here's what happened. Here are these words from the Book of Acts that Luke gives us. And it is from the message, uh, paraphrasing. And it's uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the Feast of Pentecost... And the Feast of Pentecost is a time... Well, it's a, it's a time and place, an experience in Jewish culture that would celebrate two things. One was the harvest. Big deal. Also, the Feast of Pentecost was a time it was celebrated when the Jewish people were given the law. So a lot of people in Jerusalem to include Jesus' followers. So when the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. And they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. And so this is the beginning of the church as we know it, a gathered community who's praying, and now they have been given what was promised to them. Jesus, as I mentioned, was in ministry three years, empowered by the Holy Spirit, healing and teaching, all around uh, Galilee and beyond, in the Palestine area. And now the Holy Spirit has come, as promised, to His followers, and they are now given the mission and the power. They are different. They are changed people. They've had an experience. And now they're given the mission of Jesus Christ, to carry it on in the world. It's kind of like we sang. They're changed. And now they're to go out. It's going to get messy. Yeah, they're holy people. They're beloved of God and they praise God and they worship. But it's going to get messy and they're going to get messy as they go into mission into the world because that's the job that they've been given by God. And so it's going to be exciting times for them. And it begins in in just days after that All kinds of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, that God is good and just, and that God is going to work in the community. And in fact, it's happening in such a radical way. These people, the people of the way, the followers of Jesus, are so generous with each other and generous with other people. As it says in the Scripture, they gain the goodwill, the goodwill of all the people. And people are for them. And they say, "These, these followers of Jesus, they're different. I mean, we're we're for them. And so they're going to use the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives. And they speak this new language. We heard about different languages, and we can talk about that another day. But they are speaking a new language as well, a language of faith, hope, and love that the world needs. Because as we know, the world can often be a dark and lonely and a brutal place. And so these followers of Jesus are bringing the way of life to the world. And so now that was then. That was then. And so what about now? What about now? Well, any time that we gather like we are today and we worship and we praise God and we pray expectantly, the power of the Holy Spirit is with us. And whenever the power of the Holy Spirit is with us and we worship in spirit and truth, change is coming. God raises up new life, new things in us and in his community. And so for us, just a few of the things that God has raised up that's new around here is, one, uh, Jobs for Life, a ministry that we see here. This is our third graduation, and this ministry is all about giving people hope and dignity. Yes, giving them real skills, job skills, hard skills, soft skills. It's also giving them, giving them a biblical worldview. And giving them, them hope and giving them a champion that I think of as is like a champion comes alongside them. Those, uh, those are the people graduating and their champion. The champion comes alongside them and does life with them to encourage them, hold them accountable in a way that the Spirit does. And so jobs for life, big deal, changing lives, ripple effects into eternity. And then God is also starting a new thing in the uh, community garden. Had a vacant plot of land. God speaks to us as a community. Uh, It's right out back here. God speaks to His community. And so that land is turned into a community asset that people from the neighborhood, the neighborhood garden, the neighborhood garden, people from the neighborhood are coming in and starting to do life with us, and we want to do life with them. Uh, We've got lots of immigrants who are are, uh, particularly from Burma, who are doing life with us and have plots of, of land. And so people are planting seeds and the garden is flourishing. And it's a metaphor for life because you've got to have faith to plant. But it also is, is just a beautiful thing for how God works. And we can see, I think we can, I, th- I think we can see much more of this that God has for this community of faith as we speak the, f- the language of faith, hope, and love as well. And we invite our community through that language and we go there as well and so that's then now here at Schweitzer God comes on these communities of faith and all churches where people gather but I can see God working in in another place too another place that's close to my heart I grew up in the the Ferguson Florissant area in St. Louis and I can tell you the Holy Spirit is falling in a new way on that place as well the Spirit is fresh. The, the, the people that I know, the, the congregations, family and friends, they have renewed hope and vitality and recommitment as they reach out and seek God's help to renew their community and to do new things, to have a, a, a renewed sense of justice in all that's occurring. And so it's a, it's a really cool thing. I love that place. That place will always be home to me. I want to to encourage you too, and I want to show you a book that's called Painting, Peace, and Ferguson. This book, in fact, it's so popular. It happens to be a a classmate of Roxanne and and mine who published this, but this book is so popular that you can't get it. It's back-ordered on Amazon. But we got this from Roxanne's mom. And this book will break your heart and inspire you. Because in it, it tells the story of how God is working. how people rise up with faith and inspiration. Because it tells the story of old people, young people, black people, white people, coming out in mass the night after the riots and the unrest, came out in mass and painted all over the boards of that community. Every board that could be reached was painted with faith, hope, and love. And it is a beautiful thing. And the people there are changing their community and world. And things are going to be different. It's uh, And as they say, there's much more to be done. But I would encourage you, if you're in the St. Louis area, to, to go. To go to Ferguson. And check it out. Go down the area that uh, um, it was boarded up and the paintings that are still there many of them are now down but the paintings that are still there are beautiful and i've talked to some of the the vendors and all and they say paradoxically i think it's a work of god that more people are coming there to check things out because it's also by the airport and so god is using for good um what what was not a good thing so god is working in all kinds of communities where uh, people are praying Worshiping and praising God in ways that we can't fully imagine or think might happen. And so, those are, are real reminders of how God works in groups and communities. But now, what about, our, what about our individual lives? What does worship look like as we go about our individual everyday lives? Well, let's go back to the Scripture again, to the, uh, to the words of the Apostle Paul to Paul in Romans uh, chapter 12, we'll read from. And to set this scripture up, uh, what Paul has been doing, is, this is a letter to the church at Rome. Believers uh, both uh, have been Jewish but are converted. Also Gentiles, so people that were not Jewish, other than Jewish, who are now all followers of Jesus. Paul sends this letter to this community. The first 11 or so chapters, he's telling them all about God and who God is. And then in chapter 12 he moves to he's he's wanting to tell them how to live out their faith. It's great. We need to know God. God fills us. It's the wellspring. The Holy Spirit that we know God. But then we have to do something with this faith that we have. And so Paul begins with these words again from the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you. God brings out the best in you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. So you can see with this, with this so, Paul's saying, here's, here's the deal. This faith and this worship, you do it in your everyday life. All this, this, time, this space and time and matter, this place where we live, it matters to God. The pressures, the, the temptations, the challenges, the sin. God is with us in all this. And God is for us. And Paul encourages us to really live out our faith in all this because God is with us. He also really encourages and tells us that faith is not to be compartmentalized. In other words, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. And an hour. We do this and then we're not changed. No, Paul's telling us as followers of Jesus we live integrated lives. Where we pull God and God pulls us into everything we do, all aspects of life. We dedicate, as we read, we offer our our lives to God in everything that we do, to please God, honor God, and everything. And it's possible. We worship God in our work and our play are resting in our relationships family friends and everything that we do with strangers as well so again maybe you're thinking really you know Jim how's this possible you know I live in the real world you know maybe you think I don't but the uh well I will tell you possible yes a journey for sure Because the culture taught me, and and many of you know I wasn't always a pastor, and that doesn't really matter, but the culture taught me to compartmentalize my faith and compartmentalize life. And here I do this, and there I do that. I'm an expert in this here, and there I do that. But it's in compartments. But faith is a way of life. As followers of Jesus Christ, our faith and our worship is in everything that we do. Now, the, the people that I know that are going deeper with Christ and are further along, as we might say, they make it look easy. And my analogy would be like a like an athlete. An athlete who practices a lot. Who's, who's in the game. Who's all in. And they make these things look easy. Be, but it's because they're working at it. Followers of Jesus Christ who, who go deep with God, they change people. And they may not even see themselves doing it because it's invisible to them, but God is using them. And oftentimes they're very humble people because they're not interested in in what it's doing for their fame. They're interested in what they're doing for God. So as we go deeper with Jesus, we learn to talk with Him too. It's in everything that we do. It's a running conversation. Running conversation with Jesus. We, We pray, we listen. We listen, we pray, we look, we see. God uses every aspect of our everyday lives as we walk around. And because we're available to God, availability is huge. When we really do this life with God, faith and worship, we're available. Think about it. God is logical, too. You, if you're available, God's going to use you. So you present yourself before God, and God's, yeah, I'll use you. God uses everybody. Sometimes even if they're not available, but God will definitely use you as you become more and more available. And then the important thing, too, is God becomes the center of our life. And life, as we know it, becomes worship. Life becomes the person that we know, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's a lot of that. Now let's, uh, let's, get, uh, let's get real practical for a moment. Let's take the components of life as we know it, and let's break those down and and let's see how that looks as we go about life. So let's start with work. How do we worship God through our work? Well, I'm going to introduce somebody, if if you've not met her, but many of you have, is my wife, Roxanne. And Roxanne uh, serves in a healing ministry here in town uh, called Mercy, but I will tell you, we are blessed in this community with more than, uh, more than two. Uh, but we have a number of healing ministries uh, here in town. And we are fortunate. We are blessed people. Roxanne serves at Mercy. And she, um, she cares for kids and families with type 1 diabetes. So what she does is she speaks wellness into people because God wants us to be well. Created us. She prays for her patients. She speaks truth and love to them because we need to hear the truth. But her work is her ministry. And she offers her work, her best of her, her best self to God, is worship. And so that's, that's what we're to do too, no matter, no matter what we do. And so ask yourself, what, what can you do in your work to offer yourself to God? And for me, I, I mentioned uh, earlier in the, in the earlier service and, and in life what, what I've had to do and maybe you do too. Maybe you pray with coworkers or for them. Maybe they don't even know it. Maybe life is unfair and you have to bear up and show integrity and character. And it's like, God, what's going on here? This isn't right. But you're faithful. It can show up in a lot of ways. We can worship God in everything that we do and work. Now, how about at play? Play's a big part of life, or should be, because God created us not only for work, God created us for recreation. We recreate. We become new again. We get new insights, fresh perspectives as we play. Plays an aspect of God, and it shows that we trust God. We can be a pretty serious people, and being serious isn't a bad thing. But that we also need to uh, to have some fun. And for me, there's one picture. Pastor Jason did use it the first first week. Yeah, um, that's Grandma Leininger right there, 84. Eighty-four. If you missed that, Grandma Leiniger with her grandkids, that—that's a sermon right there. That's just joy. You look at that picture and you say, "God, it's good to play." I mean, and God, you know that—that that honors God. At any age, we can play. It can bring joy, and so I, I encourage all of us to play more. For me, playing looks like hiking and walking. I prefer hiking on level places. <laughs> Uh, that's another story. Um, for also kayaking. When I'm out doing that, and it, it refreshes me. And then I can give my best self to God, and you can, you can do the same. It doesn't have to be expensive. But God delights in our recreation when we recreate ourselves as we play uh, in this world. Okay, now how about rest? Rest also part of our life or should be. Rest also tells us or tells God that we trust God. To rest is to trust God and let God know the kingdom doesn't rise and fall on us. And God goes beyond that and says, you know, I command it, that you're to rest. Um, And and as a culture, I mean, we love pictures of babies resting, don't we? I mean, oh, you can say, ah. But I mean, but yeah, uh, ah. But I, I can tell you, I mean, as adults, we see pictures of adults sleeping and it's like, oh, well, you're lazy. You know, it's like this... This culture we have where it's like, I mean, it's both ends. As adults, we really need to rest. Anybody that, that works in the, in the health, health and beyond knows that rest is, cre- is key to our health. I am going to try to get, I tested it in 820. You put Pastor Jason's face on that, it's not quite the same. But it's still, you know, it'll still preach right there. So, Photoshop the rest, okay. So rest, we need to rest. God commands it. Are we obedient? Rest matters. To God. All right. So next we have family and friends. We're to worship God through our family and friends. Family is a gift. Friends are a gift. We're to cherish them. We're to look for opportunities, to seize opportunities to worship God through our family and friends. For me recently, I was privileged to, uh, to uh, officiate, uh, give my dad's uh, eulogy. He passed away about three weeks ago. He gave my dad's eulogy and used his life to honor God. But more importantly, in his last four months of life, he lived in an extended care place. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me through a, a good old uh, Southern Baptist gentleman who Dad became friends with, which was a miracle. And uh, they they were buddies. And so Charlie said to me, Jim, why don't you have this uh, this service where I honor your Dad in the extended care facility? So we did it, and it was cool. I mean, we celebrated in this place and. It was a blessing to tell God's story uh, in my dad's life, particularly in the end of my dad's life, through my family. My sister Kathy who cared for him in an incredible way. My friends, like uh, my friend from St. Louis is here today, Danny, and his kids. Danny went to see Dad. We all grew up in the neighborhood. Friends rallied. It was a beautiful thing. And he made new friends that reintroduced him to God. And then my dad's telling the faith. Faith's important to you. He's going around his wheelchair telling other people. Faith's important. You need to have, you know, and it's like, is that the guy we know? And it's like, yeah, that's my dad. And so we really celebrated him through family and friends. And so I encourage all of us to use those. Now that's my immediate family cast of characters. Me, chief among them, would be, uh, that's me and Jeff and Clay and Roxanne. And you know in your closest family, we're a means of grace to each other. It's not easy. I don't think all the time. Um, the, The means of grace means we have to show each other unconditional love. We have to unmerited favor. When you live together, I mean, family is a gift. It's a blessing. But it can be hard. But we are called to worship God through our families and through our friends. All right. Well, I would say one more thing about that. Have a vision for your family. Have a vision for your family. And then create a legacy. Because whether you know it or not, you do have a vision. And you are creating a legacy every day of your life. So think about that. And now how about praying? How do we worship God through praying? Well, I would say about praying. Pray big, pray small. Pray out loud. Pray in your head. Pray anytime, anywhere. Make it a conversation. Prayer matters. And just trust God with your prayer. Trust God with your prayer. For me, recently, um, there was a, a person who, who, uh, who had asked for prayer, a person to be with them to pray. And it just happened at the time. I was in St. Louis, and the, uh, Bob and Jason were there. And, and our, we have a great lay pastoral care staff. Happened none of them were available. So we're praying at a distance for this person who's going into surgery. And so Donna Brazier, who gave me permission to use this story, said as she went into surgery, the attendant said to her, you look a little anxious and worried. Would you like me to pray for you? Well, sure. And she said it was beautiful. And she saw the face of Jesus in a stranger. So we just give it to God when we pray. But just pray like a conversation. And then another part of our life is routine tasks. So what, how do we do that? Well, Claire Cobb, who uh, is a sister here, St. Clair, uh, she, she would tell us, I asked her, I said, how do you do that, Claire? And she said, we have to be present to people wherever we're at. Wherever we're at, be present to people. Thank them when they do a good job, but, it, and, but also don't be rude to them. Be affirming, be gracious. Um, give your best to them while they're there, because we're reminded that Jesus might just be in disguise in that servant. Because didn't Jesus come to serve rather than to be served? So as we go about our everyday life, think about the people before us and people that we would consider maybe doing menial jobs, we might just find Jesus there. Because Jesus, that's where he did the bulk of his ministry. All right, so next we have... Well, I think we, I think maybe we already did that, Randy. Okay, and so, um, okay, no, I'm sorry. Here's where we're at. (laughs) We're going to back up for a second. So again, worship becomes our everyday life. I thought we had the category of other too. Other, and what I would say to the category of other with our life is like this. As we go around our everyday walking around life, you're worshiping God if you walk into pain rather than run from it. If you're obedient to God, and that, and that still means that you can have lots of joy, that you're sacrificial, that it costs you something to have this relationship with God, either, you know, certainly financially, your time, your talents, your gifts. But it, this, this, is a, this comes, uh, this relationship, worshiping God comes uh, with our effort. God's not opposed to effort. We're worshiping God when we look for the face again in strangers and outcasts because that's where Jesus did his ministry. And then the last thing is that God calls us to pray for our enemies. To pray for our enemies. When we're doing that, we're worshiping God. And now we're going to wrap this series up with the the assessment that we did in the first week of this series when Pastor Jason kicked us off. In this series, we had an assessment in our our, uh, bulletin, and that assessment was about worship. And we asked ourselves three questions, three questions, and if you rated it number one, the number one meant never, and number five meant always. Never, always. Five is always. Here's the questions. I enjoy conversing with God throughout the day. So how's that going for you when you assess your worship life with God? Are your conversations becoming more frequent? Are they becoming something like you would have with a friend? A good friend. A friend that, um, that you can trust, will tell you the truth. How's that going? And maybe to take the next step in, in, in that rating, to grow deeper with God, maybe it's just simply expressing more gratitude as you converse with God. If you express more gratitude, it will change you. Maybe that takes you from a three to a four. Next question, as we assess our worship life. Worship tends to be a powerful encounter with God that changes my outlook on life and behavior. Is worship changing you? Your private worship? Your corporate worship? Like this. God doesn't intend to leave us static. God's intending to change us. Are we coming to this place expecting to be changed? Are we prepared to worship? Are we all in? Are we available emotionally, spiritually, physically? Because God... That's how God works, and so I would ask you on this one. One of one of the things you might do to move your score, and hopefully that's important to you as you as you assess your worship life with God. Well, maybe you know you have a pray study grow in your in your bulletin. Maybe each week you read that the sermon is preached, the, the word this day is read. Throughout the week, then you read each of those and you grow deeper in the story of God, and that will move move you deeper in your relationship. Perhaps that is how you move with God through your Pray, Study, Grow, that people write for us. And then the last question today is this. God is at the center of how I think and live. God is at the center of how I think and live. How's that going for you? Well, I can tell you that God at the center of our lives It's a big deal, and we work at it our whole lives. I would describe it another way. Are you on the same page with God? You know, are you on the same page? And the question that I have to ask myself when I look at this is, I just have to ask God, God, what are we doing here? God, what are we doing? And how can I join you in what you're doing? How can I join you, God, in what you're doing? But as we go deeper with God, this question... We'll, we'll, we'll assess ourselves higher. And so now we've gone through the practical aspect uh, of today as well on our everyday walking around life, how we worship God. And so as we prepare to close here today, worship matters who we worship, how we worship, what we worship. We all worship, we were created to worship. It's a big deal. And it happens here as we come together happens here, and it happens out there. We come here, we offer ourselves to God, we're changed. We go out there and we change the world. We do the mission of Jesus Christ that He's given us. And today's our birthday, so we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate who we are as a people, people of God. God is still sending His Spirit upon communities, this one and others. So happy birthday, church. Happy birthday, you, and you, and you. And you, us, we, we are the church. So let's take this Holy Spirit that God has given us. Let's give the hope that changes the world. And let's be changed as we go out there. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.